you know what? Peter was probably uh, saying, hey, you know what would be great? And Dan Aykroyd pulls out a pen. No, Peter, tell me. <laughs> you know? But also, we should mention Peter Aykroyd passed away in November last year. He even yeah. got a, um, like a, a memorial a on SNL. Really? He had an untreated hernia. Untreated. And he died just before his uh, 66th birthday, like a couple weeks. Septicemia uh, caused wow. by an untreated abnormal hernia. So I think he probably shouldn't have died. He uh, he probably, you know, is sort of like a mistake. It's a real shame. Uh, I I kind of I knew of him through the through different things, but I have always heard about this movie, The Funny Farm. I had no idea what it was about. I just yeah. knew that Peter Aykroyd was in it. Uh, I saw it listed on FilmRise streaming, and I said, "Shit, if FilmRise has it, YouTube has it, and God bless it does." And the movie's about stand-up comedy. Yes, that's right. Now, what we're watching right now is um, a guy named Mark Champlin. And Mark is heading from his home in Cleveland, Ohio, all the way out to L.A. to become a big comedian. And he's, he's not going to New York City? Right. He's going Mark. to L.A. So Mark Chaplin is not driving in the early 80s to New York? <laughs> no. Okay. You yeah. think that would be the destination for – okay, this is our director. Oh, pump, pump and Gas in the HBO Vanity Play. You wish this movie was on HBO. This is Ron Clark. And he is our director, and he's making his cameo. Nice. And he's yeah. like, where are you going? L.A. to be a star like Robin Williams. And he goes, who? How many times will Robin Williams' name uh, will be name-checked in this? Two times. Early, a few times. Okay. Two times, yes. Two times. Twice. Ooh, a little cassette. Is this like a willpower? It's like I... he's going to listen to Steve Martin. He's going to listen to George Carlin. He's just yeah. – he's, he's listening – uh, you know, this was the time before you could catch any comedian ever. Right. So he has the album. And hopefully they paid the comedians to be in this movie. You know, I like uh, Steve Martin. Oh, so this is another Steve Martin movie I never saw. Oh, you mean you mean the comedians were hearing the voice? Yeah, on the uh, cassettes while he drives cross country. Yeah, interesting question. Did they? Hey, they have to. They have to get royalties. I'm sure it's probably. Now, here he has arrived in Los Angeles, but in truth, he's in Montreal, Canada. Thank you, Carl, for telling me that up front so I don't have to – because we're both Los Angeles natives, and we uh, it infuriates <laughs> us to no end when we can't recognize – oh, the comedy tree. So he, he wanted to go to the comedy tree, and it's literally closed. It was burnt down. It ha a fire has occurred, and there is noticia – no, nos entrada, because it's burnt. So do you think the comic on stage was like, the roof? The roof. The, the, roof, the is roof is off. on fire. And we're like, hack. Shut up, hack. <laughs> no, but I'm being serious. The roof. The roof. The roof is on fire. We heard it. So we don't give a damn. Ooh, juggling. Yeah, so he finds that the, the club, the tr comedy tree, it's, it's gone. And so he's sort of wandering around, and he's bumping into Greg. His name is Tony Malsworth in real life. And Greg will let him know about a comedy club called The Funny Farm. That's now, where it's all happening now. We, now, even though we are Los Angeles natives and comedians, we're not going to pretend we know the history of Los Angeles comedy, which I'm sure this movie is mirroring and mirroring in, in close to near time because this is 83. This isn't mm -hmm. like 
dying to get re- oh, what was that that showtime jim far uh carry tv show i'm dying up here which was a, a two-season show about the comedy store oh okay oh so, gosh I, I i missed that one I, I did see crashing on hbo uh but that's a new york comedy scene right it's and this, and it's not reprising the late 70s early no. 80s no you're right you're right it's a better analogy the jim carrey one and the thing is like okay it's a movie so i forgive it but it's like he's bumping into exactly the right person who's friendly and helpful yeah well but okay i believe a comedian coming into los angeles on the first night would drive straight to the comedy tree and then harass them a street performer to find out where another set is harass is not the right word it's all very nice and friendly oh hey there's the wall where's my picture carl yeah you're not it's it's prior to your arrival now this was a comedian uh her name is majori gross marjorie marjorie gross okay and she really went on to be a writer she wrote for all including seinfeld she wrote for a lot of things Wait a minute, I know who you're talking She passed away. They, they credited yeah. us. Yeah. She like... really got ripped off. She died of ovarian cancer at the age of 40. Wow. Yeah, she's really died young. And um, let's see here. She wrote, one of our favorite shows was Get a Life. She wrote five episodes. Oh, how fun. I love that show. Yeah. Uh, she's all over the place here. The Larry Sanders Show and New Hard and Alf. And she was a writer. She started as a comedian. Now we're meeting Gail, and I guess you're going to want to say she's like the comedy store lady. Mitzi Shore. And that's probably her husband. No, or somebody. Okay, the guy she's talking to is the owner of the club, and his name is Harvey. Really, it's a guy named Derek McGrath. You might have known him from uh, Cheers. He was the person who was going to, like, strangle Shelley Long, like, <laughs> of course yeah of course <laughs> now listen did mitzi sure have a reputation for sleeping around with the comics uh according to whom the comics from the early 80s well I mean... i'm just saying in this movie that's one of the main things about gail she's scared of earthquakes and she sleeps with the comedian okay so just just for being alive on planet earth here's what i know about mitzi shore mitzi sure opened up the seminal uh comedy store and redefined comedy and Pretty much everybody in there became superstars, yeah. uh, came out of comedy. And then she was, you know, she was a club owner. So she, well, she owned it with her husband, who was a longstanding comedian, like Paul mm-hmm. Shore or something like that. I forget. Yeah. Not Paulie Shore. Paulie Shore is her son. Right. Uh, I forget his name, but he was a, he was a big time comedian who was always at the B level. He opened for all the big guys. Yeah. I think and he opened for his son. And having a comedy club makes sense for him. You know, that's the way to get rich and get known if you're not really, you know, making it all so, the way. So, so. This, I guess the story, story is that he owned it, but Mitzi was the brains and the power behind it and yeah. uh, ran it. And... Uh, I know there's a reality show called Minding the Store where Paulie Shore uh, resumes uh, control of the of the comedy store because his mom's ailing. Mm-hmm. Oh, I like how this camera. So Ron Kraft, the director, is like, "Here's your next comic. Here's a picture on the wall." Uh, Ron. Oh, is Clark, this, this, yeah. this is is this That's Peter? Peter. That's Peter. Yeah. What's what's his act? Um, he he's 
funny. Let me remember what he's. Oh, oh uh, he's kind of. Um, he's okay. I got to say, this is very interesting because we've been following Miles or, or Mark yeah. to literally drives up to L.A. and he walks in the club and then the camera immediately flies away from him. Oh, look, you're not going to fuck me. I'm out of here. Yeah, exactly. So he it's basically establishing this is where it's at. This is our. OK, here's Howie Mandel. And I was a fan back in the day. Me, too. I had his album. It's like a glove. Yeah, me too. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> he was a really prop cool. comic album. Yeah, he's a prop comic and he's going to do a few props here. But what the director's doing is letting us know this is the setting for the uh, uh, movie. And the reason is it's where the comedy is happening. Now, this isn't an open mic, it is like in front of real people. But it so feels like an open mic. Yeah. Yeah. And all the comedians know each other. Like half the audience is comedians. Now, it was weird. When Gail said, give her the light to um, to Marjorie, yeah. they flickered a light that the whole audience could see them flickering the light. You know, I've been to clubs not... like that. There's some oh, clubs yeah. that – well, there was a club called Doc's Lab in San Francisco, and unfortunately it closed, but they built it from the ground up. And uh -huh. one of the things they did was they had a light on the wall, like kind of like a submarine light with that kind of like metal around it. And yeah. it was very clear. And if you're in the audience, you could pick up what it is. So this uh -huh. is not Los Angeles. This is not Los Angeles. This is not Hollywood or Sunset it, or uh, Melrose. Right. In the movie, it's Los Angeles and it's the Pony Farm the you know the happening club in reality yeah this is montreal Quebec, wow. canada which well, is crazy well a lot of i guess peter Ackroyd was canadian and so uh, is howie mandel howie and mandel so, uh marjorie Th these are com uh these are canadian comedians okay look i gotta go uh uh network carl i'll be right back hey great okay. set buddy you were great, great hey can i get a smoke hey you guys smoking pot you guys smoking pot can i join this guy, this is Sammy, and he's selling jokes. <laughs> oh, yeah, as one does. <laughs> right. He's got a special tonight, one joint. One joint, and he'll give you, he'll give you a joke. Yeah, that's, a, that's a good deal, because I would milk Sammy, that joke to death. In the plot, Sammy is the son of the very famous comedian, uh, Philly Beekman, and they'll go visit Philly, and the director tries to show us the contrast between the established comedians who are like uh, Milton Berle types the Vegas and the guys. new comedians. Today. The young yeah. comedians, right? Isn't that the right. HBO term? Yeah. The young comedian young special. Comedians. Oh, is he? So I know this guy. This is the pinky in the brain guy. Yeah, that's right. He's all about doing impressions. And that's what he does throughout the entire film. Yeah. And he does impressions when he's not on stage, which kind of bugs me. Like, we don't get together as comedians and do our acts off stage, you know? I know, Carl. Um, don't you hate it when a comic is doing their act? You're like, hey, what's up with the world today? And they're all like, <laughs> I, gotta, I haven't got to the tag yet. So his name is Maurice LaMarche. And yes. He was a Canadian voice actor from Toronto. Yeah, Pinky and the Brain, and he was the brain. 
Um, he's a lot of stuff. I mean, I even I recognized him. That's like how much shit voice talent work he's done. I actually recognized him when he popped on screen. Uh huh. You recognized his face. Yeah. It's ridiculous. It's really, well. I could. I recognize Tara uh, Strong. I recognize Frank Welker. Mm-hmm. Oh, drunky pissed in his pants. Yeah. And he goes, "Well, now that's funny." <laughs> so he would go on to be in Zootopia. He was Mister Freeze from Batman. He was wow. in he, Yosemite Sam from Looney Tunes, a, a more modern one. Yeah. But no, when, he's the king my, of it. When my kids were young, they used to watch the Grim Adventures of Billy and Mandy. And it turns out he was in that too. So his name's oh. Dickie in the movie. All right, so fair enough. There's there's his impersonation, uh, 80s stuff. Hello, I'm Carl Sagan. Billions <laughs> and billions. Yeah, you're hey. right. He's doing Jimmy Carter. He's doing. Uh, you're right. He's doing contemporary. Can I can I do my Ronald Reagan? Yes, go ahead. All right, Ronald Reagan. Where's your uh, where do you get your drinking water? Well, <laughs> very funny. Damn, now, nah. well, slam. Well, now sometimes I'm wondering why do they have fake names? I mean, like, uh, for instance, Mark Champlin in our film, his real name is Miles Chapin. So why not oh. just make him Miles Chapin in the film? You know what? It's a fictitious film, and they decide to kind of divvy up. I'm trying to think if I've seen, like, there's a lot of comedy. How many comedy movies have you appeared in? Where someone shows up with a camera to making a, either a documentary or like a uh, expose. I was about to say zero, but I guess one. At the Wawa Social Club, this guy is making a documentary and he just filmed every night. So I was only on one time. It was an open mic, so it was all new jokes. But luckily, luckily, I hit. So maybe I'll be in this documentary. I'll uh, probably never even know when it comes out. It's going to be nothing, you know. Yeah, it's going to be nothing. I did one – I was at a uh, comedy competition, which I don't even – it's a show. At the end of the night, it's a show. It has nothing mm-hmm. to do with, with the competition. And some guy was, like, unannounced recording it. So I'm listening on IMDb for his little magic special documentary. Uh, I was on public radio, a uh, documentary on comedy, and I told one new joke that I didn't like, and that was the joke they kept. Cause oh, it, it brought, great. It, Thanks. And then – uh, uh, what else? Oh gosh! Oh, and then uh, a friend did a like an expose, like a fictitious thing in a comedy club, which we taped. I'm in a couple of those. I'm actually in a documentary called The Comedy Club about Cobb's Comedy Club. I think cool. it's where Tom Sawyer's wife yells at me for not cleaning a table properly for a space they never used, which I knew at the day of. Uh, but who knows? Uh, I heard it was an unwatchable documentary, but it's finally released, and they're using it as a benefit uh, recently for Will Durst. Uh, which is terrific. He's a great comic, and anything to help him out at this time is terrific. So I like the documentary now. Did you think get I... an IMD credit? IMDb credit? No, I didn't. You know, I signed a piece of paper, or I didn't sign a piece of paper. I only heard about the movie about eight years ago, where uh, I had a weekly Facebook page for a weekly show event I had, and uh, the guy who did the movie started posting on my site, but I had, mm-hmm. you know, I had to be approved, and I kept declining it. So we've met now the love interest. So what's happened is he knocked over the waitress's tray, and it was a big thing. And Gail said, "You're a twerp," and you know it was like a negative. But the positive right. out of it is he's now meeting his love interest, and she's taking him to where the comics hang out after. So this is a waitress at a comedy club. He's dating the waitress immediately. Yes, immediately, and she is an actress now. 
you know, once again, like I forgive it because it's a movie and they got to move it along. Right. Um, and comics and waitresses do date. I suppose. Wait staff, yeah. I should say. Wait staff and com- comedians. But now he's like not being funny. Like we're supposed to think it's funny. Like he pulled out a uh, Polaroid. Right. It was really a napkin. He, had, he pulled it out of the, you know, and he's saying, shake this. If it doesn't develop, take two aspirin and call me in the morning. Something like that. Ugh. Yeah, try too hard, man. But yeah, also, you don't, you don't. She's, um, she's really all about soap operas. Uh, she's not a comedian at all. That's not why she's in this film. Her name is Tracy Bregman, and she was on Young and the Restless and The Bold and the Beautiful. That's her claim to fame, wow. really. This is something she just did. Yeah. Well, that's good. I mean, if she could deal with soap operas, she could deal with comedians. Look at their all assholes. Yeah. Is this supposed to be Cantor's? This is like we're seeing that they're crazy. See, he's doing his impression. He's doing Pete. Right. I could tell by the eye. So that's the thing. Like, uh, it's just not true that offstage comedians are crazy and kooky. Look, he goes, don't try to toss salad. <laughs> oh, yes. His lettuce is serves me, but it's okay. It's a movie. Yeah, but you know what? Usually comedians are just terrible to be with, especially the the popular ones. Like if you know you first you know, go to a scene and there's say, a table. I gotta say that like comedians are just people, and there's a million of them, and, and they're all Granted. different. Granted. If you listen to Comedian Countdown, I mean, I, I I hit fifty comedians last year for you guys. Now look, like people say, you gotta be suicidal if you want to be a comedian. Comedians are just crazy. Ugly. Okay, it's true a lot of them are like that. A lot of them are antisocial and stuff. But it's just not true that that is the comedian. There's just too many. No, that's true. But, I I mean, I've seen, like, just claim, you know, part of it is that there's a vulnerability on stage. So when you perform, you're you're basically exposing yourself. And Uh some comedians build a way to deal with it by being, you know, it's a sole proprietorship business. You don't have to be friends with anyone. And in fact, you don't even have to be polite to anybody uh, because you, it's all about the performing and, and, and working. And so, you know, I the, sometimes because you're so vulnerable on stage, I feel comedians are assholes. It's the people who quit comedy are still assholes. Then they become assholes. Then there's like no <laughs> excuse. Like if you're a former comedian and you're still being an asshole and taking stuff and <laughs> bad-mouthing people, just like maybe it's you, you know? <laughs> yeah. This is his uh, house. This is where he lives at the Starlight Motel. She will way too quickly ask him to move in <sighs> with her and become Ooh. in a relationship. Uh, wow, they're kissing. Yeah, they. Yeah, he's this whole movie. He moves fast. He goes through everything so fast. So it, this is like January first. This is like a, a a year of this guy's life. Well, it's he just arrived. He just arrived in town. He learned about the funny farm. He went there, and now he's kissing girls. Yeah, and now he's at the new talent audition. Oh, look at this. The open mic. Oh, and look at all the crazy costume people. There's always okay, crazy. Okay, so what happens here is you and I know um, that comedy doesn't really have an audition night in which you go up and see who's, you know, like, we're looking for new talent. No, rather, 
on a weird night like a Wednesday when the bar's not going to make money, they hold an open mic. And it's really just, I wouldn't say a ploy, it's, I'll use the word though, it's a ploy to get people into the bar so they can make some money on a, on a weird night. You know? Sure. And listen, that's when uh, you might get, I mean, I did that at Scotty's and I got a job there as like a maitre d' kind of thing. And that meant that I could host every now and again. So in a sense, it hugs reality, but it really wasn't a audition, you know, it was just. Well, you so know, like, I, that's I what do they're this. doing here. They, people are lining up like, I'm going to be the next star. It's not, it's, it's not really the world of comedy but i do know like you know if they're doing three different shows or like if it's los angeles if it's los angeles they might have a 6 30 show an eight o'clock show and a midnight show and a 10 p.m show and all right one let of me those... talk about that then right yeah. what really happens in the comedy world and i think you'll back me up on this is that you have at a comedy club a host a feature who does like 30 minutes and then the headliner does like an hour 45 minutes to an hour that's really the formula uh whatever club you go to this this club on their saturday nights like they have 20 comedians and they all get up there and they don't do a set amount of time they just go until gail says that's it give them the light that's ridiculous oh are these examples of the open micers the these two the the housewife and then the kid yes and they're Is not it... open micers they're going they're they think they're at an audition they're on an they're going to audition night but I know that, you know, some, some clubs here in Los Angeles, they do have technically an audition night. I mean, it's a showcase, uh -huh. but basically, you know, you meet the people and they say, okay, come perform on, on Tuesday. At the Is it a bringer? No, but, you know, they have other shows that night, even for Tuesday. So uh, maybe it is there. Maybe there is some reality to the yeah, audition I feel, night. Hey, it's all groomings. Or man's. The man's or groomings Chinese suitor? Uh, I don't know, even though I live. Okay, here we have Steve Allen. Oh, and Bel Air. Does he know he's in the movie? Probably. Uh, now, one of the first things Ron Clark ever did, this director. Listen, he's only directed two things. He's not a director. He's a writer. Okay. Like one of his very first gigs ever in 1967 was the Steve Comedy, uh, Steve Allen Comedy Hour. So he wrote eight episodes of that. Oh, so he got his buddy in there. Yeah, so I guess that's how he knows. Listen, let me talk about this director as a writer for a sure. minute. He wrote the screenplay. Look, maybe he was one of a group. I don't know. But The Revenge of the Pink Panther, um, High Anxiety in 1977, Silent Movie in 76. Good, three good movies. Revenge is okay. I think that's the one with the parrot. Yes, that's one with a that's a true Pink Panther movie, not a bullshit. Let's make some money movie. <laughs> like the Curse of the Pink Panther. <laughs> oh, I, I I think Clouseau is in an outtake coming up next. Oh, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now okay. here he was also a writer for Pat Paulson for President. Um, two Smother Brothers comedy shows in the sixties. Danny Kay TV show was his second one. He started Jackie Gleason. Uh, so this guy has been a serious writer. Uh, Paul Lynn show, Rich Little show, uh, Jackie Mason, The World According to Me, uh, 
uh, oh wow, he's all, he's all over the place as a writer. Well, that Jackie Mason show was big back then. Uh, let's see, I think it was the year okay, uh, like eighty six maybe. Yeah. Oh, he's going. Yeah. Oh, he's going up. Hey, man, good set, good set. Don't choke. So he's I can't gonna believe go you're off fucking... and he's only going to do like three minutes, and he's going to say. Gail's, and he, you see, he, he had this traditional um, a player. A, yeah. <laughs> so, so he it wasn't his smartphone. Wait, so did he, he just get heckled by a comic? Yeah, yeah, he got heckled by a comic. All right. He's gonna do essentially three minutes, and he's gonna have one giggle at the end. But Gail's gonna say, "That was good. That was really good. You can work here." Parking cars. Ooh, like Sam Kinison watching the door. He's going to be a valet. Oh, wow. So that must have been a really bad set. Hey, it's really great to be here. I wonder if he's doing my, if he's eating it, he's probably doing my act. Hey, guys, have you ever tried? I'm sorry I'm, I got here so late. I feel really sick. I, uh, I had the green bread. You guys know the green bread on top of the refrigerator? <laughs> I mean, it was fine when I moved in. The green yeah. bread. I thought it was healthy. I thought it was vegetables. Yeah, I thought it was vegetables. I thought it was plant-based. It was a growth. So he's eating it, huh? Look at that. We hate you now. Well, he's not really eating it. He's just... They like him. They like him. No, the comics are... Yo, hey, uh, I have a joke for you. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Not a comedian. There. I send my piece, Carl. Sorry, I just got myself a seltzer. What do you call a comedian who heckles? Are oh, you killing me? Uh, not a comedian. Another comedian. Not yeah. not a comedian. Oh, okay. Yeah, no, you're a heckler. You're not a comedian. Yeah. When you heckle a comedian, you're you're not a comedian in my eyes. So the the main heckler at Scotty's, right? He's like one of those insult comedians. Oh, he left his he left his thing on stage. <laughs> oh, did he? Yeah, he left his said the, the comic. The host called him out. He said, "You left your uh, tape recorder." Oh, that's funny. How could I have missed that? I saw this film like four times. You didn't have that sinking feel feeling. I had that feeling in my stomach. That's why I recognized it. Oh, I left my phone. Shit. 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 I really wanted to listen to that set I ate. Anyway, thank you. Once at the Broadway Comedy Club, somebody left their drink up there, and I made a whole big thing out of it. <clears throat> oh, do you ever, like, pick up someone's book if they leave their notebook? Uh, there's a Lost and Found at Scotty's, and there are some comedians. Uh, okay, here's the guy who's on Cheers trying to strangle Shelley Long. Um, oh, okay, so this is Mr. Shore. He, I guess he's just – in this film, he's not related to her. He's just the owner. And he's up there, and he's, like, doing some very bad joke, like a frog in a blender kind of joke. I think you uh, saw this film. And so someone goes, there's, an, there's please, an important announcement, an important announcement. He goes, oh, excuse me, there's an important announcement. And he goes, get off the stage. Hey, that's not funny. These are the comics pissing on the owner? Yeah. <laughs> okay, that I got to find a music. They piss on Gail, and they piss on the owner. Yeah, that's not cool. Oh, yeah, here's the message. Oh, oh. there's an important message. Oh, oh it's Mike Spiegelman's set. <clears throat> All right, I'm going to open with the green. I'm not opening with the green bread, Spiegelman. you got to rewrite the list. I'll close with green bread. 
Like, do you care when you go up? Okay, you're first. <laughs> no, of course not. I'm a, you're first. Important meeting. Oh, I don't. I didn't really want to go. You're not yeah, really first. You're same. you're second. You're not really going first, Carl. You're second. You see, because I'm the host, and I'll do a few minutes. Yeah, and then you'll be the second comedian, and then yeah, the third the third comedian will be me because I'm going to go up again, and then the fourth comedian will be the second comedian, and then the fifth comedian will be me again, and then the sixth comedian will be the third comedian. It's easy as pie. You're not first. Now go. <laughs> Don't you hate when when hosts do like five full minutes in between people? I hate that. Yeah, I do, and uh, I I'm looking at you. I hope every comic went cold when I said that. <laughs> oh, is that her casting couch? There you go. Yes, this is her casting couch, but that's not what she's going to do. She's basically tricking this guy into becoming a valet parking attendant. No, I, I did see this, but I, I'm just going to say this once, Carl, and uh, pretend I never saw it. Ellen Burson is really acting in this movie. This is a yeah. terrific performance. She's a real lived-in human being. Yeah, uh, and you can see her as the brains of and and the disrespect she gets and yeah. how it feels on her and it's like a real lived-in performance. I was just stunned by it. So anyway, just getting back, we'll get back to our little Miles and our Howie and our our other comedian friends acting, but it, it's a real difference to have an actor in this movie. An actress, yes. Now I'm going to talk about her, but I have to interrupt myself because this guy is like the only real comedian who goes to the funny farm, apparently. And he's really good. And everyone uh, really loves him. Um, in the film, he's called... He has bongos, Carl. Is his name Andy Kaufman? <laughs> yeah. Well, he is a crazy person. And we'll find that out as the film goes along. Here it is. It's Bruce Nutter. His real name is Mike McDonald, and he did have a career. In real life, he was bipolar. Um, there's some club singer named Johnny Vegas who's famous. He's the older brother of him. But um, he is good in this. Yes, he's got his bongos. Yeah. He's, and he's taking pictures and he's acting creepy with women. Why do you, anytime there's a, something sexual, you have to make it creepy. You well, know, is he on stage? Is he in you know, control? Mike, are you a born again Christian and yes, sex I am. is creepy? Look, did these girls look like they're creeped out? I think they want to be up there with him, right? All right. Is he going to ask them to, to take their clothes off? What if he did, Mike? Why would that be creepy? Because uh, he's taking photos. All right, I get it. It's funny. All right. Again, I saw Howard Stern live like 40 years ago. Who am I to Mark, say? There are, there are advances. Mark. There are – oh, excuse me, Mike. Mike, there are sexual advances that are unwanted, and those are creepy. Every sexual advance in the world is not unwanted. Every sex thing in the world is not. And another thing is children. If there's ever any children on the screen, you go, oh, my God. Like, okay. what? You want to fuck children, Mike? He would. Wait, are, are there children in this movie? No. Then no, of course not. No, but we saw Bugsy <laughs> Malone, and you were like, this is sick. What's sick? It's cute. It's They're a little inappropriate. It is not inappropriate. Bugsy Willow is a little inappropriate. It, because uh, Jodie Foster was being sexy or something. She was. Hey, protected. when was the last time you you were in a club and they had a copy of Variety in the office? <laughs> well, it's nineteen eighty three. All right. Well, yeah, you're right because this is the powerhouse. 
Listen, I'm eating my cake and having it too. I'm saying this movie is sexist while I'm looking at this woman. So there we go. <laughs> now, this is uh, – that's what he's saying. He's the only real comedian we've got. And uh, I kind of don't know what that means because it's supposed to be a comedy club and those guys are all the chosen performers, Peter oh, Aykroyd. This, this, is this is Andy Kaufman. He's telling the audience to come out and I'll do a new performance. Kaufman did that. Well, you know what's funny? Steve Martin did that. That was oh, part interesting. Of Steve Martin's first. When Steve Martin first had his routine, he would go to San Francisco. He would go to he he would uh, take the people outside. Now he had to learn to only do it after they dropped checks and got their money. You know, right? But this was a Steve Martin move. He discovered it by mistake one day. I read from his book. Um, he was saying, okay, that's it, show's over, and everyone thought he was being funny. And he goes, no, seriously, show's over, I'm going outside now. And everyone started to follow him. And he was out by some, like, abandoned pool, and he walked down into it, and they all stood around the pool as he kept going. So he, by that weird night, he made it into a thing. He, he would take everyone out into the street, and then he would leave. Oh, that's interesting. Okay, yeah. I always thought, yeah, all right, well, yeah. I tried I, to I, find, like, a YouTube clip of it or something. I never could. Oh, man, that would be so much fun to watch old old Steve Martin videos. Yeah, because the old Steve Martin videos we see are after his Saturday Night Live and albums, you know? We see his polished, uh, I've never seen a Steve Martin uh, unfamous open mic kind of thing. Right, yeah, that's true. I mean, you have the comedy albums, which he performed uh, in San Francisco for the first album. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then on Red Rocks, right, with Side B, was it? No. I don't remember. I remember, excuse me, that was all in San Francisco. Right. It was like the works. God, it was uh, like the Fisherman's Wharf. Not the Fisherman's Wharf, but it was like some weird uh, name. Yeah. He'd, so when I remember my first beer, that was San Francisco. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There, Steve Martin had a heckler in the audience, and he... Didn't pay him any mind. He just said, "Yeah, I remember my first beer," which is like he nailed that one. Like, yeah, you can't use that line. Of course, it made it onto the album. That's why he he nailed. Yeah, I know. Sometimes, like, like, um, I I thought to myself, okay, I'll say alcohol lowers your inhibitions or something like that, but I never had the chance. There's a joke in this one. I want to steal so bad. Howie Mandel goes like, um. I was trying to catch a plane, but they go like 600 miles per hour. I want to steal that joke. What's the way you explain the joke? I was well, trying I to catch. I would say like, I would say like, oh man, I have a hard time catching planes. Anybody else here? I always have a hard time catching a plane. I mean, they go like 400 miles per hour. Yeah. I mean, when you say catch, then we know what the joke is. No, we'll catch a plane, you know? It's, yeah. It's yeah, a right. good redirect. It's going to be – well, because it's the phrase. That's what's funny. There. So he's woken his girlfriend up at 3 in the morning, and he's like, I have a persona now. I am a wasp. Nobody else is the comedian. You've got the lesbian <laughs> comedian, the Hispanic comedian. You've got the – you know, but nobody's oh. a wasp comedian. If I may. So, so comedians have to pander to white audiences so they won't – so they can immediately be liked and, and do their time in peace. So it's like, oh, I see a Mexicani or whatever they say in this movie. Yeah. And he's like, he watches that. He goes, shit, I'll just say I'm white. I'll do the same ethnic humor, but I'll say I'm white. Uh -huh. 
Well, and you then, know, you're right about that, and I really didn't appreciate it in this film. Film. The the guy, his name is Dino in real in the real world. Let me see if I can find it. Lou Lou Dino as Miguel. He was only in three things, but you're right about that. He got up there and he did uh, he did stereotypes about Latino people that white people would appreciate. Yeah, uh, the fry cook. Right, and he did his horrible accent and stuff. And then when the black comedian goes up, he goes, "Can y'all see me, or should I smile?" I uh-huh. just—it's just so like pan. Um, what's the word? It's like. Uh, it's a bunch of things. It, it is pandering. Uh, it is. But it's uh, it's, it's kind pandering of... to like the worst in us. Yeah. You know, it's you're black, so you gotta make it about being black. But he made it about like how a dummy white person would make a black joke like i don't know I didn't... oh my god these comedians have day jobs how strange yeah now this yeah. is the pinky in the brain and it's his day job and they showed up to fuck with him oh and howie mandel has his handbag yeah it's the handbag his handbag yeah I, I i getting back to like the it is kind of pandering and also like the material is aimed for white clubs, you know, and and if you're going on the road and stuff like that, if you're a road comedian, a, a little warrior, you're gonna have to play that way to, to to connect to any crowd, you know. But I guess yes. But also, like, there's other clubs, you know. Like, if I panner as a Jew and then I do a Jewish room, like, am I gonna do the same bits? Probably have to no. Explain Jewish stuff, right? So it seems weird that this guy is like he sees that that formula is in place because that's the only way over oh, fern bar how fucking los angeles in the 80s uh, yeah and he's complaining about la right now well you're you are in a fern bar drinking perrier he's just like the perfect girlfriend it's a movie you know oh yeah cuz i mean I don't know if waitresses, waitstaff likes getting hit by comedians. And then if they, you know, if they do come across, you know, and they meet someone at work and they, they date, sometimes it doesn't last or sometimes it's really ugly. There was a ridiculous thing they said in here as if like, you know, like band members have roadies. You know, there are comics who are, there are women who just love to date comics. It's not true. That's not true. That's it's not true. Not true. You know, I know. Fact, it, we're the only. We are the only like setup on like you're an athlete or you're a musician or you're an actor. We're the only get on the stage and perform thing that does not attract women at all. No, yeah, no. It, there's no group uh, groupies. Nope. Uh, nope. You know, no it's weird. Groupies. I, one aside I would say is that uh, I, uh, Los Angeles, like, porn actors, I guess in the 80s, uh, I learned this from the true Hollywood story for the kid who got his tongue stuck on the pole in, in mm, Christmas Story, mm-hmm. Scotty Smith, who got into pornography. But they would always go, he met a lot of people at, like, the comedy store because he's. Uh, they would go be audience members at the comedy clubs. Look at the cops right behind him. Oh, they fucked up. Oh, well, no, what that? they're doing is a pretend insurance scam in which they're claiming they're hurt and they got hit. And then when it turns out to be cops, they like, they bail. They say, oh, I feel better now. And I don't know. It's not funny. Oh, so they they thought it was like a civilian car behind them and they were going to Yeah, and then them. it was a cop. Yeah. 
But they got a comedy show. The show's still going on. Well, no, they're all not there yet. And Gail is freaking out because none of them. So he goes, what about this one? What about that one? All right, put this one up. And then so they that's how they're giving um, uh, Mark Champlin a shot. They're ah, going, the, the yeah. classic. That's a classic. You know, oh shit, they're there. No one's here. And that fucking comic Spiegelman's still at the fucking bar every night. Right. Get him give, on. Give Spiegelman a shot. You know, the be- last time that happened, I could see the club owner uh like shaking because there was a possibility that she might have asked me. Like she was trying to look for everyone but me. And I was like, Well, I didn't really sweat it because I had a show that night. You know, uh-huh. I felt insulted, but it wasn't like I was I didn't really of course I would have dropped everything and done it, but yeah. It wasn't like I I was getting a set that night. That's what I was thinking back then when i was that young right but yeah it was a little you know you gotta have a thick skin sometimes so now they're like oh we feel better oh because an ambulance showed up yeah something like that it's not funny and it doesn't make sense in the real world and oh there's old colorado avenue in the heart of santa monica yeah oh uh by the way they they got signs they made signs and put them up uh, this is his big shot. It's your big chance. Right. Oh, I see. He can't believe it. Now, you know, the, it looks like valet tickets, but I'm sure it's his set. Like, every time you go into a big club, I always, like, I would always have my set list, like, prepared, just in case. <laughs> I Me too. I, I have a set list in my wallet, and it just sits there for the day. It's like, Mr. Kevin Hart is sick. Can you? Yeah. Can you? Yeah. Listen, you got listen, Peter Aykroyd, Dan, Howie Mandel, uh, Maurice Le, oh, Le, LeBrain. I'm sorry. This is this guy is is Native American, and he's doing exactly what you're talking about. He's the piece. smoke signals jokes. Uh, he's saying if we didn't smoke, we made up the peace pipe, and if we didn't smoke so much shit, we would still own this country. It's it's. I, yeah. I feel bad for him. I'm insulted by the world that it has to be like this. But I also feel like Mark Chapman, so this guy who can, like, if it's a white crowd that everyone's been pandering so they can get, if he's on the same way, but they're all, and he does this, like, he does the same routines that everyone else is doing. Like, he steals, like, the only reason they're doing that material is that they can't just be themselves. They have to kind right. of. They so can't he, be themselves. So he 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 says, "Oh, you know what? I'll just do it, but I'll do it a white style, you know." And then uh, it's it, creative, it, though. It is. Well, you know, the whole like wasp humor in the '80s was Martin Mull. You know, the history of yeah. white people and yeah. mayonnaise jokes and stuff like that. And they're funny. I mean, there was a good mayonnaise joke in uh, the Jerk. They made a sandwich with mayonnaise. I I, I thought I I did that whole film. I don't remember. Uh... Didn't like his family made him a sandwich that had like mayonnaise on it. Oh, they made him some kind of sandwich. I don't know if mayonnaise was on it. I'm, I'm talking over this guy's set. Oh, there he All is. Right, put on the voice. Let's hear him. Let's All right. Here we go. Studio sound. No, it's not. Do you think this is really Miles' act? His real act? No, I don't. 
What's interesting about this guy is he was a descendant of Steinway and Sons. Oh, the, the Steinway Pianos? Right. And in addition to his acting career, he worked as a sales consultant for Steinway and Sons. And he pretty much hung up acting and comedy. And that's what he does now. He oh. is a top executive at Steinway and he sells pianos. He, he wrote it. nonfiction books. One of them was called 88 Keys, you know. Oh, great. Oh, is he talking about a laptop? No, he's talking about the piano. Oh, he's talking about the locksmith down the street. You know, he had now, more this than guy did have a, two things, three things that were interesting. He was the, a character named Carter in Howard the Duck. Okay. Um, All right. He was in Hair. In 1979, as Steve Ooh. Wright, one of the so he was a guys. singer, yeah, and he was in the People versus Larry Flint, and he as Miles, that is his real name in '96. So that's the same director, Miles Foreman. No, Miles Champ. Champin no, no, but is... but the the People versus Larry Flint and Hair is the same director. Miles oh, gotcha, gotcha. Yeah, and a famous director too. His uh, name I, and hair was Steve Wright, and it makes me think of Stephen Wright. Oh, right. Well, you know, I know his face from the Fun House. I've, okay. I've seen the Fun House, and I know him from that movie. No, he so. was Richie in that movie in 81. Have and you I seen that? Mention, no, but I saw – we saw some horror – we saw some film. Maybe it was that um, uh, performance, and one of the guys – like maybe the camera person was associated with the fun house. So I learned yeah. all about it. I saw it on TCM underground. It's Toby Hooper, the guy who did uh, Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Oh, and that's it... what it was. We saw eggshells. Yeah, right. We saw his film before Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Uh, Toby Hooper, well, one of his subsequent films in the early eighties, it's like a bunch of young teens that look exactly like him. And they go to like a, a county fair and they have like these, you know, a fun house. Uh, but there's like uh, uh, like a monster who slaughters them, right? And yeah. it's a film of note. Like it was well done. I haven't. It's seen really well it, done. People people talk about it. So he was in that. He was in a bunch of stuff. But those were the things you'd know. Yeah. And I got some great poupon. What a wasp! What a wasp! He's got his he's got his white guy prop, like his he's got his ethnic prop. He's stealing ethnic humor and making it uh, white. He's gentrifying it. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so well, they spent uh, like under under four million, just under four million dollars to make this thing. Now that's Canadian dollars, and this was backed by the Canadian Film Development Corporation. Uh, this was this this was theatrically released, and it did okay. the The internet doesn't. I, there's not even a Wikipedia page for this film. The internet forgot about this film. Yeah, you know, I used to before the internet. I had like Video Hound, and I ha and I would I would see actors. They would list the actors in the back, and Peter Ackroyd would be listed, and I'd be like, I want to see Dan yeah. Ackroyd's brother's movie, and right. I could never find this movie. You know, so I'm really glad. I mean, the the premise of our podcast is that we can finally watch movies that we've only heard about. You know, yeah. that we didn't have access to, and now we have instant. You would access. read a, you would read a fanzine. You yeah, would, and I would. It would be in the back of the, you know, but you would have to go down to the Zigfield in New York, you know, on have, Tuesday at eight p.m. Worse, I would have to go to Kim's Video in New York and deal with those, right? 
I've never been there. My brother said they're all assholes back in the eighties. Like that was the hip video store. But yeah, right. I, in in the nineties there was Leather Tongue and there was a uh, uh, place down the Lower Hate, and they had like snooty, uh, you know, uh, video clerks. And I, I worked in a video store in Montclair, so you know I, I'm part yeah. of that milieu. But uh, which one was it? The one in Watchung Plaza? Uh, I think it was on Bloomfield. Bloomfield Avenue. Okay. Yeah. I'm trying By to get what? those. What's that? By what? What was it, it near? I, I, I think the Claridge? He, uh, it used to be, I might have been the By arcade. the Wellmont? No, not down by the Wellmont, more by the Claridge, I guess. Okay. okay. Yeah, like kind of crisscross, you know, on, on Fullerton and like, I, I think it was I Bloomfield. I can't remember. I know that you were there and I even visited. It might have been, maybe it was in Watchung Plaza. No, Watchung Plaza, I would remember. Yes, that, definitely. I, yeah, I kind of trashed a job. I, I was like so hung up with my co college girlfriend that I couldn't work the summer and I just lost that job. But uh, it was fun. You know, I okay, met a lot. Now they are seeing, um, they are seeing the only real comedian. Uh, Andy Kaufman, the bongo guy. Yeah. And they're like, let's find out. See, he doesn't talk to anybody. He considers himself, he's like kind of snobby, like I'm a real comedian and you guys are open micers, even though it's not called that. Um, and so they're following him. They're following his bus. Now, his bus is going to the dirt, dirt poor part of town. I don't know. What does that mean? Compton? I don't know. And, this, um, you say this in Montreal, so I don't have to beat myself in the head because I don't recognize <laughs> the bus line or the right. uh, where it parks. Yeah. Yeah. I don't. I, God Bruce damn it. Nutter, that's his name. Bruce Nutter in the film. Nutter. That name's a little contrived. So they're following him to see where he lives, and then they're going to fuck with him. Looks like he lives in the Mexican part of town. Mm-hmm. Oh, is that real graffiti, or did they spray it up for the movie? Yeah, good question. Uh, the and also, tell me. But if this is a real house, that's kind of sucky for them to do that. Is this an abandoned building? Is this a movie no, lot? This is this is a poor apartment building, apparently. Yeah, and but was, when they when they shot the funny farm, was it a real building? Oh, uh, I don't know. I don't know. The internet. Uh, there was an IMDb entry which almost didn't say anything about the film. So uh, you know. I usually get my main information from Wikipedia, fill in the blanks with that trivia section from IMDb, and right. then begin scouring the internet for the real interesting stuff. There right. was none of that with this film. I found out all about the actors. I found out all about how it's Canadian. Okay. But it's killing me. There must be like so many comedians from Los Angeles who's been around for 40 years. They talk about it. They do podcasts. They do live streams. You can mm -hmm. hear their history. So I'm just surprised no one's really discovered this or talked about this. Maybe He's got a gun. Because it was uh, Canada. Yeah. Well, I don't remember seeing it in 83. I remember E.T. Uh -huh. <laughs> now, he goes, you, Canada, you punks invade my privacy. You get, you get out of here. And yeah. he's gonna get really upset. Oh really. no, no, I take it back. Look, they did they did some work on this movie. The director had these people on cue. Will you shut up? <laughs> okay, I want he's you to stand in this gun. lady's apartment. And then when I say when I call you, pick up the pretend you hear them outside. Oh, look at this. He's already he made it off that one set. 
Yeah, he is now, since he's been invited up there to perform, he's going to be, you know, he's one of the regular comedians now at the Funny Farm. Things are moving quick for this guy because it's a movie. But uh, this is all within the year. He moved in. Now he's on the phone with the TV studio going, did you make a decision about my pilot yet? Now, was this because of that set he did was so well? There was there was someone in the yes, audience, right? There was that there, right. There was a talent scout, and they say he's auditioned now for a pilot. This just isn't the way the world works. As a guy who's made a pilot, nobody was interested in it, and then is now in the middle of making a second pilot, I assure you, America. Now, I know this was a different time, but I... still, you don't just walk off the street and get offered a Pilot. Let's let's put it this way, okay? Uh, maybe the writer and a director is so fucking bitter that in his movie, you know, the fucking young handsome guy immediately gets a pilot, right? Just you know, vicariously, just for the sake of the story and just for his bitterness. Now he's at Sammy's house and he sees Sammy with the picture of Philly Beekman. What's going on? Then he finds out it's my it's dad. My dad. Oh, why don't you go on stage? Be Billy Beekman's son. This guy, this guy, he plays all around the room, and he's Billy Beekman's son. Give it up for Billy Beekman Jr. Right. I mean Tony, Tony Beekman. Sorry, sorry, Tony. <laughs> sorry, sorry. There's some. Uh, I guess uh, Buddy Hackett's son was a comedian. Uh, I don't know. Jackie Mason's daughter, and it's illegitimate. She changed her name to Mason. She's Sheba Mason, just so you know. She, yeah. She's the daughter. There is also um, Kelly. Kelly. Uh, um, uh, living in a van down by the river. Oh, his brother, Kevin. His brother is, yeah. yeah. And, and they look similar, you know. They're, okay. So because Sammy's dad is uh, Philly Beekman, he's arranged for these guys to get to go there for free to Vegas. So they're flying. I don't know if they paid for uh, the from what Are they going from Montreal to Toronto now? They're going from Los Angeles to Vegas. To, oh, it's smiling. Got a clown face clown. Oh, yeah. It look, this looks kind of like Montreal's version of Las Vegas. No, they're in Vegas. Oh, Piazzador is in Las Vegas, Carl. I, so, did you think of that movie, Fake Out? Fake Out. Fake Out. There's Don Rickles. Oh, and he mooned him. Um, where it's at. We saw Don Rickles. Yeah, it's in, in Las Vegas. Vegas as well. I and believe he... that this has got to be really Vegas. I mean, they're not going to do the fake set. No, and they actually paid to get, like, this funny name up on the sand. Yep. A marquee. Yeah, now, that's great. This guy, Philly Beekman, his name is Jack Carter. and he was Oh, Jack a... Carter. Yeah. So he was like in the vein of Milton Berle. Um, uh, and we should let's see I if we can enjoy could... his act. You want to listen? I yeah, I do. Funny. So this has to be his act. He's not doing a character's act. This is probably Jack Carter's bit act, right? Goes, this band is one of the greatest bands of our day. I don't know. At night they kind of suck. Here he is, Jack Carter, hey, 1983. Folks. He yeah. had a long, distinguished career. He died at 93 in Los Angeles. And like five years ago, six years ago. Yeah. I remember that. Let's see here. 
93rd birthday, 2015. He's killing it. Because of his jacket. Because of his jacket. Oh, look, even how he's just that, two, three, four. So, you know, this is interesting, Carl, because I'm like, I'm dying up here with Jim Carrey. Right. This is contemporary comedy looking at their, uh, at, at their, their elders, I guess, yeah. whatever the old comics are. Uh, and they're commenting. So it's young comedians. They feel young comedians talking to the Vegas act. Right. And then we're going to see that in his hotel room after. Now, this guy was for real. He was on the, the Cavalcade of Stars, and he got his own NBC show called The Jack Carter Show. Um, he hosted uh, – there was, there was a – there was something called the half-hour Saturday night programming slot, and, and – <laughs> Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. He did a show right after Sid Caesar – Carl Reiner was on it. Um, he was friends with Sid Caesar. His, he gave the eulogy at his funeral. He was a frequent guest on Ed Sullivan. You know, one thing I have to say, I, I looked up Jack Carter, and there was like a video of Howie Mandel talking about him. Uh-huh. Like bold, bold Howie. Yeah, this is, this is curly-haired Howie. Now, Sammy, his son, didn't even come. Wow. Yeah. 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 And what's going to happen is he's gonna, the thing's going to start off with like, hey, young comedians trying to pick my brains. Welcome, welcome. But then he's going to start doing some racist stuff uh, with his, uh, I don't know, this. he's got this guy here with the, the bow tie. Yeah, with the bow tie. And he's been with him for 20 years or something. And basically he starts shitting on him. Yeah, I guess, uh, I mean. And the room flips and they're against Jack Carter. But Carter's no George Clooney, is what you're saying. That's right. I don't know what a, to be a George Clooney is. You got your friends. You know, your friends, you, you've been there for your whole life. You know, like my friend, he gave me money for my headshot back in 82. Oh, he kissed a black man's head. Oh, uh, yeah, look, there's Miles. He's not digging it at all. Yeah, he's not, like not digging it. And um, yeah, so things will turn sour. He'll start pontificating about uh you know you young kids i mean you didn't pay your dues i cut my teeth on shitty rooms and everything and then they'll say like well when's the last time you saw a new comedian as if i don't know it's, it's a <laughs> fake thing like no it's not true why don't we substitute young comedians with zoom comedians and old school comedians with like comedians who did it in real life who had a you know you guys but why would why would a Kevin Hart, a Chris Rock, come on down to Scotty's and check out new comedians? You know what I mean? Like, why would they? Because it's it's a vibrant. No, that's. I think they have a solid argument. You okay. get yourself kind of stuck in a rut, and you don't realize there's been generations and generations of new comedians, and that things are different from the way the foundation is slightly different. It's different. Oh, look at this! Yeah, he's giving the right now. He's drinks. going. Come on. I I, my drink is empty here, and he's insulting him, and he's doing ethnic racist slurs. And he goes, what was that, too smart for the room? Which I thought was a funny line. Wow, getting awkward now. Now it's turned sour. Now we got now whiskey sour. Yeah. 
Now it's going to flip and he's going to start getting mad at him. You young punks, you don't know what? anything. You don't respect anything. Uh, Jack, Jack Carter's a bit of a hothead, wasn't he? In real life, I'm not sure. Um, I kind of, I, I gonna... read about him was positive. Yeah. I don't know. He's an interesting comedian. I, I have to, you know what? I'm going to go take, watch him on YouTube. I'm going to see if I can find like a, a 20 minute set or something. Well, there was one bad thing. He was in that horror film Alligator in 1980, which, which was, <laughs> I don't know why he would do that, but well, that I know weird blemish on his, on his, uh, well, he's been on like Ed Sullivan, like he's probably, t- uh, for dozens of times. He's, yeah. he was a staple on Sullivan. Yes. More than dozens. I don't know about staple, but he was one of their regular go-to guys. You want to make an audience laugh. We got a whole. Get Carter. And you young comedians, you're snorting coke with Robin Williams. I don't even <laughs> know what snorting coke with Robin Williams means. Hey, man. When's the last time you checked out our ad? Well, why would he? But okay. No, this this is an interesting yeah, moment. It's like road comics and like locals and, you know, comics pitting each other against each other. You know, it's comedy. It's a good point. They came to watch his show. Also, who, as a comedian, who fucking watches shows? Right? Who watches shows? Well, I mean, like, do you go out and see like a show? You're like, oh, Brian Regan's in town. I'm going to go see him. Oh, I know what you're saying. Uh... I guess the honest answer has to be no, but I'm always like, I'm going to go. Like, right. for instance, Kevin Hart was at Levity Live doing new material, which is in Palisades Park. Uh, it's 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 Nyack, New York. It's really close. It's like a 350 seat. I looked at the ticket prices. I was like, forget it. Also, um, Louis C.K. was there after his disgrace. And I was like, right. this would be interesting, but I never went. Um, there's another name you would know, and he was at the uh, Stress Factory in New Brunswick, and the show was called Trying New Stuff. I uh, That's about 250 seats. I was going to go to that. I didn't. You know, so, I mean, this is all pre-pandemic talking, and actually when I had a little more of a drive in, in comedy, but you would go out and you would, you know, at a showcase, I would always watch people because I wanted to see what they were doing. I wanted to mm-hmm. see, and if they were good, you know, like Tom Rhodes, I think is a fucking genius, and mm-hmm. I watch him every time, and because everything he does. Oh, is this the executive? Oh, it's Brandon Tartikoff. Now this is NBC. Yeah, no, it's deciding. Brandon Tartikoff. Yeah, three-piece suit. The guy behind the oh oh well, all right. Are they going to go with the young guy, the white guy? Well, who they're does like, are we material? going with the actor or are we going with the comedian? And so they, you know. They have an argument about it. And he's like, well, I like the comedian. I think he's going to be the next big thing. But he's in the room. Like, he's in... Yeah. Is that realistic? Yeah, it is. It's That's the way Hollywood works. I mean, it's heightened, I would have to say. The, 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 the uh, writer-director is making a point by having this guy accelerate and while being dissed in the room. He's while like, oh, great. They're going to diss him the moment he walks out of the room. You're great. Smiles all around. Okay, smiles. Brandon Tartikoff. Brandon Tartikoff came up with like Punky Brewster, came up with uh, different strokes. He wore a three piece uh, tan suit with a vest, and he was about that guy's size. So obviously, that's who oh, they're going for. Yeah. I don't know. I get back to watching comics. Uh, I, I mean, I like comedy, and that's why I, I definitely watch it. But, uh, you know, 
when I would do this room, I would go to rooms that like showcases just to say hi and just to be seen there, but also to see what the comics were like and what they were well, doing. You I always learn from that. Yeah, I I always stay in the room when there's an open mic. People like uh, my good friend Anthony Quinn, and um, I won't start naming names. I was a yeah. but a lot of them they go up, they do their set, and then they like disappear to like smoke pot or bullshit with the other comedians and. I never do. I always stay in the room. You know, I want to see know, what everyone's doing. Yeah, but bullshitting with other comedians will get you other sets. And also just kind of, you know, it's networking. There's many, many, many facets. To I'm not saying talk, not, don't I talk over someone's I, of course, hang set. out with the comedians. But I'm just trying to say that watching all of the comedian sets is really of value to you as a comedian and i also just want to laugh i want to see what they're doing what's going on so now he's telling the girlfriend uh i got the pilot you know and it's like his big he's having his up moment so we can see him crash later ah uh, hey guys i'm singing i got a pilot hey no need to diet i already got my pilot <laughs> that's what he's screaming to the other guys i got a pilot i got a pilot oh he's that comic yeah yeah but well, they're like, what's going on? And then they find out the ugly, ugly, ugly thing that Nutter has killed himself. They went and invaded his privacy, and now Nutter went and killed himself. This will show you. Wait a minute. So the comedy store, wasn't there a suicide? I got to get my research down. There was someone jumped off a roof or something, a comedian? I don't know that story. Um, you might be right about that. No, Bruce well, Nutter has killed himself. Bruce Nutter, Mike McDonald, not not Michael McDonald from Mad TV or Michael right. McDonald the singer. Right, it's not Mike McDonald. Um, okay, so let's see. This was his first film, The Funny Farm, Mike McDonald. But he was in. Um, there was a Jefferson Starship commercial, and he played a comedian that he was in Screwballs Two, which we did on the show. Two. We did that on the show. You weren't there. I got oh, I got a comic. Okay. I got a comic from uh, uh, the this Mutiny Radio Comedy Fest to join me. Super Dave's Vegas Spectacular. Um, oh, I mean, he was out there. Uh, yeah. You wouldn't know a bunch of his stuff. The Ben, Chasing Robert, The Ripping Fields. I, you wouldn't know a bunch of this stuff, but he had a career, and um, he did. Uh, he died. He it was 2013. He had liver transplant surgery and. His liver failed. It was hepatitis. Wow. Liver uh, transplant. Yeah. So, but still, wow. he's known for, I don't know, this film called The Nutcracker Prince in 90, Chasing Robert in 2007. He had a career. And he also had bipolar. Okay, so here we are at his funeral. Now, what I don't understand is this guy was dirt poor, but he spent a lot of money do everything perfectly, and he insisted on an open mic at his funeral. And that's what they're doing right now. Oh, my God. Uh, yeah. I, I, do you, you want an open mic at your funeral? I don't think I do. I think this is a movie. Now, you saw this movie already, so you know the punchline here. But people watching at home won't know. Well, I should mention what I know is that uh, our sunshine boy was going to perform and, and Brendan Tatterkoff was going to go over to the, to the comedy store and watch him. But because of Bruce Nutter's fucking prank, he can't perform. 
right? I mean, the, yeah. wasn't the guy supposed to see him tonight? Yes. Mm-hmm. And then this death fucking kibosh his career opportunity. Yes, I don't really care. Yes, that is true. That's what my takeaway was that this asshole, like, and for what? For being a narcissist, for doing, dying and having fake parents. I want to take the rented parents that are they genius. Are fake. You're right. You're right. Yeah. No, you but they announced it. Funny. You don't think this was inventive and creative? Uh, I'm killing time until the reveal. Okay. Let's, <laughs> it coming up pretty closely. Spoil everything. Look, okay? Lou Ferrigno. Bruce Nutter did not kill himself. It's all a big scam. He's going to open his coffin and pop out and go, don't you ever follow me home again and run away. I think it's funny. You can't wait two seconds to let it happen. I, right now we're having a sad harmonic yeah, music. All the, all the comments like, how come I'm going first for Nutter's funeral? Yeah, that's right. I Do don't you care close. when you go up a Nutter's funeral? Uh, no. Okay, you're first. Okay, the ghost of Nutter shows now up. Now Gail's freaking out. Ah! <laughs> don't you assholes ever follow me home again! <laughs> Right. And look, Miles is like, you asshole, like you fucking Brandon Tartikoff. Peter Ackroyd's like, I'm going to kill him. He runs by and he goes, wasn't that Nutter? Oh, yeah, that's the parents. The parents are like, does, does this mean we're not getting paid? Oh, boy. And then comedians desecrated the graveyard. By now, most all of this film was well written in, um, in how it flows. Right. This next cut is not well done it doesn't flow at all all of a sudden like they, there's no reason for them to be all here in this <gasps> same room look at that howie mandel is passing a joint yeah he he he's letting people smoke it and then he's going to smoke it again you mean because of covid because of he, he's famously he doesn't shake people's hands you know that oh well that could have developed, yeah, he's got a uh, OCD kind of germ phobia thing. Yeah, right. right. Of today. But, uh, in this, but in this scene, he's smoking a communal joint. Right. Now, it might be because it's a movie, and it might be because his, his paranoia hasn't developed yet. I think as comics, they, they were just smoking anyway, so it was kind of second nature. Let's see. Oh. Let's talk about Howie Mandel. Sure. Uh, okay, he is Canadian. He's totally Canadian. Uh, we know him from Deal or No Deal, the, the suitcases game show. Right. Um, Bobby's World. There's Canadian and England counterparts, and he's on it too. Um, he got big as a – he got little as a comedian, but then he got big on this medical drama called Saint Elsewhere, which right. you remember was a primetime show – it was on six years, and he was a doctor on it. Well, you know, fits like a glove. He took a surgical glove, and he blew it up and looked like a little chicken rooster. Yeah. He put it on his head. Put it and on his head. It's so like... part of it was that he was a prop comic, and he was also that doctor from St. Elsewhere. Mm-hmm. So it kind of clicked on that. Like it was. Like well, yes, nice... he was the prop comic first. It's true. St. Elsewhere didn't make him. But because of being a prop comic, he got on St. Elsewhere, and so he had six years of exposure to the public. Now, he didn't take that and go on to do a um, huge movie career. Instead, he turned it into like a voiceover career. Well, we should mention that uh, as a bad movie uh, podcast, I mean, a, a good podcast about bad movies, he was in Walk Like a Dog, which if it was on yep. YouTube, we'd be watching it where he's like a human dog. 
and yeah. then he's the monster under the bed or in the closet. This right. movie's like a cult film. I have people swear by this film, and I really enjoy it too. He's good in it. So he's he's done some real cultish films. Like this is a cult film too, I would imagine. But yeah, he he well, was a he was the voice in Gremlins, the yeah. voice of Gizmo, and in Gremlins too. Um, and he was in Tribulation, which was a um, one of those Cloud Ten pictures. Remember, we saw Cameron. What's his name? Oh, like a born again Christian type. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, I'm not born again Christian. A religious, a spiritual based. Cloud based. Ten pictures is faith faith based pictures, and he was in Tribulation in 2000. We know him from America's Got Talent. He was on the fifth season. But he did a lot of voiceover work. He did a lot of, uh, you know, The Aristocrats. And Bobby's World was his Bobby's own. World. Yeah. He was in Pinocchio and Hansel and Gretel and Tangerine Bear and Jack. Well, I, you ever I see know, lots of voiceover work. He does. You ever see how we do it? This is how we do it. Hey, we're in a Las Vegas buffet, and unbeknownst to the tourists, we put gold tokens in a set of food. Let's see what happens. This okay, is now, Dale is paranoid about earthquakes. She hates it, right? And right. we find out that she sold some of their um, stand-up routines, and, and it aired in Ohio, so they're pissed. So they're pretending there's an earthquake. It's a pretty good gag. Peter Aykroyd's got them. So now she freaks out and goes, it's a quake. It's a quake. So was he fucking comic? It's was that the whole? So that's the thing. Like a comic was like, I'll, I'll seduce her. And then when I'm fucking her, we'll have the audience pretend there's an earthquake. Right. So then she comes out. It's a quake. And then somebody tips her off that it's not. She's oh, Maurice did it. He was fucking Maurice. I thought he was a cool guy. That's not cool. Well, Maurice, uh, they are all not cool. They're all in on this. And the only one who feels any pity for Gail is our star, uh, Mark Chaplin. And he's going to get into the car with her and try to, like, calm her down. Now, he, the owner's freaking out because nobody's inside spending money. Right. So he's trying to send them all back inside. What a weird scene. What a weird club. Mark Champlin is his name in the film. I, I get it mixed up because it's Miles Chapin and Mark Champlin. Anyway, he gets in there and he basically, he's like, get out, get out, leave me alone. <laughs> and he doesn't. And then she like sort of speaks her mind in her heart about how like, why doesn't anybody like me? I, I love them. They give me joy and happiness. I'm all about these comedians. And so... We're getting some feelings here. Do you think that's? Do you think club owners, comedy club owners, really feel this way? I only know one comedy club owner really, really well, and he doesn't feel that way. Everybody kisses this guy's butt. Yeah, yeah. Wow, it's so funny. Not since Joe Piscopo and Treat Williams have I seen such a acting combo of comedian and Ellen Burstyn. <laughs> She's you ever see Dead Heat? Job right now at the as an actress. She yeah, she definitely grounds this movie. Like she's given a real performance. It's a real person. It feels like. Now we saw her in My Old Man last year. That's right. Yeah, she pops up in a lot of great stuff. Like when I see her name, like I'm watching a movie and she, her name's in there, I'm like, all right, you know, yeah. or a TV show, she's because good. she's good. Now, um, 
Goldie Hawn movie, what was it? Uh, Private Benjamin. That's how the the country got to know her. Yeah, um, that was a really big film. Yeah. Yeah, it was a memorable memorable scene. She was a uh, Mrs. Peacock in Clue. Right. Um, so look, uh, Mrs. Shore. I mean, uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Uh, Mrs. Mrs. Farm. Mrs. Mrs. Farm. Just feel better. Hey, can I get a set Tuesday? I'm gonna let you go and just think. But if I could do seven minutes instead of five on tomorrow, that'd be great. <laughs> oh, look, he's got the congratulations telegrams. He's got his headshot. Yeah. Yeah. So this is day one of his pilot. He's already gone out there and done some of it, and they didn't like it. They didn't like it. He wasn't good enough. And and the woman is like an "I told you so" moment because she suggested the actor. Look, you want an act? You want acting? You hire an actor. So now they're going to let him go. Do they have really? You wow. know this film. He's getting fired right now. Well, when... they. I know this film. They say, "Hey, we got an actor waiting in the parking lot." He says he's smoking a Marlboro right now, but just give me the word. I'll give him the eye. He'll come right up. Yeah, there we go. Hey, oh look, my character. I think my character would be great if it had more lines. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Hey, listen, we're off the set. You're fired. Yeah, that's yeah. right. He goes, we're going in a different direction with your character. He goes, fine, no problem. He goes, no, you don't understand. He goes, wait a minute, are you firing me? He goes, I didn't say that. He goes, you are firing me. He goes, well, you said it. Ugh, what a passive-aggressive asshole. The, and he uh, leaves the artist's entrance. So this is Montreal with the artist's entrance? It's is this like pronounced Montreal. UBS television. So it's like C, Canadian. Yeah. They, they moved the C for Canada up and made it a U. Yeah, instead shop. of CBS, it's you. UBS, why not? You could oh, be all a, right. So oh, yeah. I could be a girlfriend, and he goes, I blew it. So basically, he's going to have a crybaby, I quit comedy. Yeah, I know. Second, but then he's going to start driving home. He's going to go to some honky tonk and do like five minutes. Everyone's going to love him. And he's going to turn around and come back, and she's going to be happy. It doesn't. It's a very poorly written end. Well, okay, so I think this is kind of so far so good. This guy drives at the beginning of the year. He drives from Cleveland. He goes to Los Angeles. He's on it. He's on it. He's part of the scene. He, everyone now knows him. He's doing time. He's a regular. Uh, he takes, you know, he, he, gentrify, he gentrifies uh, uh, an act, and then he gets a pilot. Uh, and then they kick him out even the first day of shooting. I think it's fucking this guy, the director, like just being bitter. Oh, he's in the mental ward. Yeah, Nutter. Bruce Nutter went crazy and he's now in the mental ward. And it doesn't make sense. He's gonna like say to the girlfriend, Mark is gonna say to the girlfriend, like, I don't want to end up like Bruce Nutter. How would he look his comic books upside down? He goes, I, I have to be upside down now. That's that's my favorite line in this movie. Yeah. I thought that was really funny. So, I'm going to use the that thing line. Is, why in the world would he end up like Bruce Nutter? It it doesn't make sense in the real world. It's it's poorly written. I mean, I'm I, I'm not going to really talk Go about ahead. comedians, but the, you know, this is not kind of something like this could happen. I don't know about this. Is he doing time? Yes, he. Did you stop watching the film because you knew everything up until I'm the trying earthquake. to. I do. No, okay. I, I know. Yeah, no, I'm just trying so to what, move, move, move our show along. Okay. 
So what is happening now is every day at this time, he does like 15 minutes and people come in. He's, he's, and so he's saying, it's great to be here at the funny farm. And the joke is, you know, he's at the crazy, you know. But like the joke is these guys are acting like, you know, outside crazies. You know what I mean? Like we're a crazy comedy. We're the loony bin. How come everyone's in those uh, uh, smocks, those uh, hospital gowns, but Bruce? Okay. He's got his own, yeah. So now now he's essentially going to quit. Well, right. it isn't time for him to quit yet, it, but he's really close. If I may, I have seen this movie. You have already spoiled the movie, but allow me to spoil this movie. He So he fails, right? And now he's completely burnt and bitter, and he's not even going to try again. He doesn't want to go to the club. He doesn't want to talk to the comedians. He doesn't even want to live in the same house as the waitress. And then right. the biggest night of comedy is is New Year's Eve, right? That's right. like everybody in America decides or Canada decides to go out and and drink and not talk to their spouses because they're watching a show, or they just want <laughs> they want to go out and drink, or they just want to get out of the house, or they want to watch stand up comedy on TV. It's the biggest night of tell of yeah. uh, stand up comedy is New Year's Eve. But he won't go. In fact, he fucking bails on his girlfriend on New Year's Eve, yeah, and, and moves out. Which and know, he gets and Mitzi Shore. I mean, uh, I calls. Yeah. yeah, offers him a great spot on New Year's, and he turns it down. Right, which is such a no-no. You, no matter how you're feeling, you always say yes. Yeah, exactly. unless you really, unless you're really gonna fuck it up. You if know, you have COVID. If you're drunk, you if, don't know no, your material. If you're drunk, ooh, they have a Simon. Look at that. That memory game: beep, red, green, yellow. I used to love that. Ah, and, and, and the paper. Wow, what a museum! Yeah, because you, you should always take a set. Because they're never going to offer again if you say no the first time. That's right. They'll never offer it again. They, yeah. You, that's the memory they have. You said no. Yeah. You said no. They got a show to run. They need no. Yeah. I mean, you know it as, a, as running a show. You Sometimes you, someone does a show or there's a spot missing. You need someone ASAP. You don't need bullshit. Right. I don't need 40 questions. I don't need you saying I can't do it, but I'll love another set and then follow up. That's not the reason why I'm calling you in this 11th hour. Right. I need someone. Can you deliver? If you deliver, I'll get you another set. But right. if you don't deliver and then you keep pestering me for a set because the last time <laughs> I asked, it's gone. I, I don't have time because I have 500 people pestering me anyway. Look at Back in the day. I'll it's, never understand comedians. Right. Look, there's Mr. Shore. I guess he maybe is a kind of Mr. Shore. If he's you don't think they're married? Oh, she's, she's fucking people, uh, comics, but you know they could be married. In the beginning, the juggler explained that he was the club owner and she was the manager. So. so I think what he does is cowardly. I think it's like it goes against everything you learn in comedy, which is that you will never stop. And you can't stop. You know, you have to take any kind of failure, just thick skin, right? You got to let it off your tail. It because does, you're, now, yeah, you're right. It doesn't make sense what he's doing, and he's not just making a mistake because he's a young comedian. It's also the author. It's the self-hatred. No, but comics, you know, I mean, I relate to what he's doing. He he's self-sabotaging self everything to the point where he negates himself and everything he's he achieved the year that he moved out here. You know, it's New Year's Eve. It has the year okay. is about to end, and he bails. Like, he doesn't even last a year. He self-destructs, and it's wrong. And I, I feel like... You know, someone told me something. Carla said, you have to think you're funny. Because if you don't think you're funny, then nobody in the room thinks you're funny. Of course. Of so course. even if you're not funny, you still have to think you're funny because that way you don't side with the audience when they turn on you, right? 
That's and, one of the only things I learned from the Steve Martin uh, masterclass I paid $96 for. Uh -huh. You gotta pretend you're killing when you're up there. If you do a joke that doesn't work, move on. Right. Oh, that's a good point. Yeah. So he doesn't do that because, and then, uh, I mean, that's the thing. So he should, he should show up. Like comics would love to say, oh, what happened to that pilot you were yelling about at the parking lot? How did that turn out? Right. Uh, He's going to eat a lot of shit, but you do eat a lot of shit because it's a salt fire ship and it's things are raw and rocky and you're vulnerable on stage. And, you know, I don't know. I haven't performed Carl fucking in a while. Stand up. Well, yeah. You haven't personally performed. I used to produce COVID. Yeah, COVID is exactly right. You know, New Year's Eve shows, I, I produced my own because no one was hot booking me. And I said, fuck uh -huh. it, I want to perform. And I would get do shows. And, you know, they were fun. They were great shows. And I had some really good comics up there and I was able to pay them. So it was fun, you know, and we had an audience for it. I had uh, the chance to do New Year's Eve at Scotty's. I even said yes. And uh -huh. then Sandy, my wife, was like, excuse me? <laughs> We've right. been together every New Year's for 26 years, and you're, you know, cancel that, you know, so I had Fair to enough. call him. Yeah. So he just broke up with her? Well, he came and said, I'm going home. I've left you a note. And I left goes, you a note. What? Yeah, it's essentially a breakup, even though he's not saying breakup. No, but... it's actually his set list he left by mistake. He, he, <laughs> took, he goes on the honky-tonk and performs his breakup. Right. Uh, he, yeah. He pulls out his set list and he goes, Dear John. Wait a minute. Dear Young and the Restless. <laughs> yeah. So she is mad. She is mad and legitimately so. You're a fair weather comedian. You only come out when it's nice. That's yes. true. That's a that's a real thing. You know, there's no shame in comedy. You ha have to eat shit. You know, it's it's funny. Mm-hmm. But uh, even if it's on you, the FC goes, you listen, I'm a waitress and I've seen better. I work here as and the staff and uh, I've seen better comics than you. Oh, no, she's she's the greatest girlfriend. She does not insult him or hurt his feelings at all, except to call him a chicken, you know, which is the honest truth of what's going on. So now oh. begins the long trek down Route 80. Symmetry, because we started off with him driving towards Los Angeles. Right. New Year's Eve, he's done. He doesn't even last a year. So he stops off at a honky-tonk. He has a good set. He says, all right, I'll go back. I, I, it doesn't – not strong as an author. And this guy was a hell of a writer, uh, right. this Ron Clark. Well, of course, I, this I mean, is kind of early in his career. Yeah, I, I think this movie has a lot of meat on its bones. I mean, no, it's, it's not. He started in the '60s, and this is 20 years into his career, and he's writing this crap. But he's he's letting demons out. He's he's letting the frustrations of the comedy he wasn't scene out. A comedian. He was a writer. Uh, he was never a comedian. Now he did write for a lot of. Um, okay, let so me. So this is honky tonk comedian right now. This is just some local bar. Yeah, some honky-tonk. Uh, let's see. Jackie Gleeson, Danny Kaye, Steve Allen. These are all, you know, Smother Brothers, Pat Paulson. These are all comedians. Yeah. So I don't think Ron Clark was ever a comedian, Just, but he was around him. Right. So he knows, but he probably had friends that got one yeah. instant, you know, he probably seen the instant success and the, the quick burnout. Quick and maybe crashes. he was a stand-up, and the internet just didn't tell me. Yeah. 
man, you were great. Hey, I'm a comedian too. Do you know, is there, how can I, is there a list? Can I get up? Do you know of any other rooms? I have a hundred million other questions. That only happened to me once. I was in Jersey City. I was at this show, just seeing a friend. Her name's Stacy Kendrow. She's from Boston. She's a feature. And um, I just went up to the guy and I said, look, I'm a comedian. Uh, seems like everyone's still warm and you're about to end. Uh, can I? <laughs> All right. And so I did. I went up and I did a, the set I had in my wallet, like I was saying. Yeah. Now, they had a grand piano there. So I, I said your joke about tickling the ivories and how sometimes the elephant sneeze, and it got a big laugh. So I said, okay, I'll tickle the ivories. So I sat down and I played Imagine by John Lennon, and I did Imagine There's No Yoko. Oh, it really went well. Oh, that's great. Oh, yeah. glad to hear. So it's not only in the movies, Carl. Even, you know, it happened to you. It wasn't Bernie's Bar and Cafe. Right. So he's leaving Bernie's and the guy's like, you are genuinely funny and everybody loved you. And that was all it took. That's strong enough. He gets on the phone with One girlfriend set. at three in the morning yeah. and, and says, I'm coming home. Hey, I just did a set and I killed. I, I can't go to sleep. I I'm going to go back to Los Angeles and, and pursue my dream. Now, what's he's going to run off again. all takes place. It's still New Year's Eve. So what, she's asleep at 10.30? No, look at the clock. It's like 4 in the morning. Yes, right. It's, but it's New, New Year's, Year's Day. Day. So this is all happening, this 180. Now she's happy because she's the perfect girlfriend. He doesn't go, how dare you put me through a breakup? And then you're, you bipolar motherfucker. No. He, he showed up to his no. work. Is he, he showed up to her work on New Year's Eve, the busiest night. We just said it was the biggest <laughs> night in comedy. That's right. Hey, I, I left. I left you a note. I'm going. I, I can't hack. Yeah. This is kind of a comic thing to do. Yeah. I, I can't yeah. deal. I, I'm done. Now he's back. Is he listening to George Carlin again? No. Kelly Carlin? He's just, yeah, we're hearing, we're hearing inspirational music. And you can do it. Oh, yeah. Actually, yeah, I love the theme song. Go ahead. Put it, it up. Put it up. I am divine. Every, every on my mind. LA on my way. <laughs> I love this. I know what to do. It's so bad. And it's also so 83. That's it. He goes back. The movie's over. That's no New scary. Year's Day. There's Peter, the late Peter Ackroyd. A lot of people passed away. Yeah, a lot of did. Not Howie, though. Is uh, really funny, his baby voice? Yeah, oh, it's Bobby's World. Jack oh, Blum. yeah? Did that go on to be Bobby's World? Yeah, he did a... I didn't look up Jack Blum. I'm sorry about that. Yeah, it's all right. Look at my... Yeah, he was pretty he good. Put it on those girls who voluntarily hopped up on the stage and were happy about it. Yeah, you know what? I mean, what about the female performers? Do they, would they feel comfortable being in a place that allows that? Like some, some comics don't. Allows them. girls? To, they were uh, females who got on the stage and said, I'm into they, this. They were audience members who came to see a show. They shouldn't be up there showing their tits. Okay. Hey, we never seen Brian Nussick on stage. That must be cut material. <laughs> yeah, there's Steve Allen, and his Walkman doesn't get a credit. His Walkman did not get a credit, and I was very – I thought that wasn't 
that was a pair. Jesus Christ, Carl. What yeah. you think of this movie? While the music still plays, don't get me I wrong. Yes, I have to say that I enjoyed it because it was stand-up comedians. I guess I have to say I enjoyed it. But it irked me that it's just like he rolls into town. He's got a girlfriend and a place to stay. All the comedians are his friends. He gets, uh, you know, becomes a regular comedian with hardly any material. He's going to do a pilot. It's all like a fake. That's not the way life works. But it's a movie. I get it. You have to accelerate. Well, it's a parody, Carl. I think this movie is good. Uh, and that it, it, it I, the problem is, is that it, the whole story about the Los Angeles comedy scene in the 70s and 80s, uh, you know, this was 83, so it was still kind of new and had that car, fresh car smell. It wasn't stale and repurposed and regurgitated and reused, but it was their version of it. So I caught a little inside history in there. And uh, I don't know, it was like a cautionary tale, this guy, you know, of Hollywood, of this guy, like they just take young faces and put them in uh, stuff that they can't deal with and then they Here's get the crushed. recorded material. Yeah, there we go. So, oh, he listened to a uh, 2,000-year-old man. Yep, Comedy's not pretty. Right. Dating Joan of Arc was the routine. Oh, did, yeah. Well, we should give a shout out to to uh, Patrick Carlin, uh, George Carlin's younger brother, who used to be part of the show before us here on the Edge Radio. of Insanity. Yeah, Edge of Insanity with Paul Brumbaugh. Yeah, Re just, the recently married. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Fans of Paul Brumbaugh and Mrs. Christine. Uh, you know, the our yeah. Paul Brumbaugh. Great All right. material. Great picking up his kid from jail. Funny comedian Paul Brumbaugh. Right. Not in this movie, however. So uh, one comedian didn't make the cut, but yeah, we love Paul. All right. That rated our movie. Wow. Mm. Mm. Well, Carl, uh, yeah, that was it. We are done with that yeah. at all. We never have to go back yeah. to the funny farm. Uh, we are free of that. Next week, we are going to maybe, I don't know. We, well, we, we have I a film. Know, like, uh, I don't announce that film. Uh, let's talk. Let's talk. Let's talk. Let's put it this way. <laughs> the purpose of our show is to – some movies are so bad, you just can't watch them on your own. You need yeah. someone in the room. You need somebody yeah. to be part. And we always feel like because you have to listen to our podcast and watch the movie at the same time to fully experience uh, what we're doing, that we're part, that led us. We are, as a group, us, the podcast, and you, the listener, we are watching a movie together because some movies you just can't make it to the end because they're so fucking bad. <laughs> and that's the scenario we have with the film that it's in the pipeline and we can't. The thing is, I will, in my research, be watching it alone maybe four times. Let's talk off air. All right, we'll talk off air because I watched the movie until a point where I had, my eyes were removed by my hands and I could <laughs> no longer watch the movie. So I think I agree with you. Well, ladies and yeah. gentlemen, how about that for excitement here on Let's Watch a Full Life Movie on YouTube every Sunday on mutinyradio.fm, where you can contribute to the station. Please go to yeah. mutinyradio.fm, hit their Patreon link, or go to Venmo and send them a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. We'd love to keep this going, uh, We as we have been for, for years. This is part of the Mission District community. We have live shows on Monday and Friday. Uh, if you don't want to go in person to see them, you can listen to them on Muni Radio as a podcast or streaming live. Exactly. Go to muniradio.fm. More information about our iTunes link. 
more information about all the shows, including what's really happening that just played before us at noon here on Sunday. So, Luke. Carl, yeah, Luke Sayer. Luke, uh, Carl, I just called you Luke. Uh, it's me, Mark. Luke, do you uh, anything uh, you'd like to promote? Anything coming up? I guess no. Just go to carlsucks.com, yeah. and uh, you'll see all my upcoming dates, which pretty much means I'll be at Scotty's this weekend. And if there's anything else, I do list it there. So please Sounds good. enjoy. Yeah, and we have a lot of great more show coming on. So uh, make sure you, uh, now that February is done, uh, join us next week in March as we maybe show a film we can't watch. My birthday's tomorrow, February 28th. You Happy guys birthday. At the party. Oh, but you. it's Monday. Huh, birthday on a Monday. How yeah. ironic. Yeah. See you guys at the party. All right. See you at the party, Carl. Uh, happy 40. 56. 56. All right. Yeah. Hey, man. Hey, I'm a couple years behind you. So keep blazing <laughs> the path for me, brother. Yeah. Uh, we'll see you guys next week. Take care. Welcome to L-W-A-F-L-M-O-I-T. Let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Hi, Carl. Hi, Mike. Really You're happy here. to do this one because it's a switcheroo. Oh, my God. We are doing a switcheroo. We are so excited. We are so excited to be streaming first right now on Mutiny Radio as we do every Sunday afternoon, 2 p.m. Right. Pacific Standard Time. You go to mutinyradio.fm. You hit play now. Boom. We are there. We are part of a full afternoon. You just heard Found Round Sound with Scotto at noon and then Ugly Sundays at four. So we're right in the middle. We love being here. We love that Mutiny exists. All we say is contribute to Mutiny Radio. Go to Venmo and throw a couple bucks at Mutiny Radio. Step no substitutions. We are also a podcast. L-W-A-F-L-M-O-Y-T is the name you need to search on your podcast app, and then boom, let's watch a full-length movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. You can listen to it. 
we're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube, as our title says. Yeah, so what we, is our title again? It's LW. Yes, a. That's for A. Yeah, so it, it's abbreviated, Carl. Oh. Let's watch, for example, is the abbreviation okay. of let us watch, the three okay. words. And then the letter A is actually an abbreviation for a. Uh-huh. Like because, sure. Yeah, because the next abbreviation, full hyphen length. Length. Yeah, it starts uh-huh. with a consonant. So the A abbreviation is actually pronounced uh when you mm-hmm. do. Mm-hmm. Anyway, fascinating, <laughs> fascinating. We are also broadcasting right now on Mutiny. We're not broadcasting. We're on YouTube as well. So you can see us video, and you can watch the movie with us. So the idea is you go. We're going to watch a full-length movie on YouTube. I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay, here's how it works. You have a phone. Oh, my God. All right, Carl, what is the movie this week? What are we watching? I don't know. Ghost in the Machine. I don't know. This is a switcheroo. I'm going in cold. Ghost in the Noonday Sun. Peter Sellers, right? Yes. That is so correct. We are watching. We're doing a switcheroo. Carl usually watches these movies <laughs> numerous times, takes copious copious notes, and then also produce, writes a theme song, edits the show. Years ago now. Yeah. Okay. So I am going. I watched a movie. It's called The Ghost in the Midday Sun. In the Midday Sun, and that is from 1973. Go ahead and type in "Ghost in the Midday Sun" in your YouTube search engine. We are looking for the YouTube channel, VHS Archives. Wow, like VHS tapes. Right, that's short for video, horror, home, and home. suspense, right? Like, like, Isn't it video home film or something like that, right? V- video home v- cassette. VHS, system. video home system. Well, I know the V stands for ah! video, and the S He's is my system. Brother. Mm-hmm. We'll and then at home. At home. Okay, video at homes, S archives. Okay, so now you said put in the YouTube search engine, ghost in the new midday noonday sun. Noonday is all one word. Yep. G H O S T. Of course, I Listen, know you knew There's that. one ghost. 1973. 1973. You're going to find it. You're going to see that crazy Peter Sellers face. Click the link, VHS archives hosts it. Hit pause. Move the timer to zero, zero, zero. We're all going to watch this movie. Let us watch together. Let us watch it together. So when we say go, you're going to hit press play. But I have a special treat for you. We have a special comedian, a celebrity comedian, that's going to do our countdown while you go find this on YouTube and get yourself ready. Ooh, I got to get my collar, pop my collar for this one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I'm somewhere in my mini radio shirt. It's underneath here, as always. Hey, hey, your collar's popped. You now you so you do have ring around the collar. Right? Girls on film. Girls right, on film. We just derailed this show. Hi, welcome back to Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube with Mike Spiegelman and Carl. Go find Ghost in the Midday Sun. Hit link, hit pause. We are now going to go to our celebrity comedian. Carl, take it away. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Celebrity Comedian Countdown, this time with Jim Stencil. Welcome, Jim. I'm happy to be here. I'm not in traffic at all. (laughs) Whoa! What happened? Call back. We're going to have... 
Wow, how did I blow that? We're going to have to start it over. All right. Well, listen, Jim Stencil, you are a, uh, you are out there and you are on the move. You, I'm I mean, on a bridge. <laughs> so, look, I never asked you really, are you an official comedian? I mean, the way we bump into each other is through podcasts, through In Hot Water Show. Are you a stand-up comedian? Great question. Great question. That's a kind of a questions I expect to hear on this show. No, I am not. I am, I don't even know what, I would consider myself a personality. Uh -huh. Oh, look at this. There's a guy just pulling over. There's a guy pulling over to pick me up on the side of a road. Unbelievable. Oh, you ever get anybody else who's gotten picked up off the side of a road? This is the best Thank celebrity God. comedian countdown ever. Unbelievable. I just got a ride on the side of the road. Some people, now no, I am not a stand-up uh, Mr. Driver, would you say I'm a stand-up? He wouldn't say that. Now, I love Carl. Carl's a joke. one of the greatest jokes, Jake Carl, that I've ever run into. <laughs> so how did you get involved with the In Hot Water podcast with Gino Bisconti and everything? I mean, usually it's comedian-based. Oh, no, great question. Yeah, yeah. Listen, I tell them all the time, I was just a fan. I'm just a fan. Can you put on a light in here somewhere? There we I'm, go. I'm a fan at heart, but uh, one thing led into the next, and uh, I guess now I'm a personality, I would call it. I always call myself a personality. Well, so I can how call did myself you get a... to be an in-studio guest? I mean, you were a fan, and what? Did you hear about your podcast, get to know you that way? Well, that's just it. I don't know. I, I just went and started uh, hanging out, and I never tried to do anything. Mm -hmm. um, but I guess I'm just funnier than most people that go in there or something. So I think so. Yeah, you think so. So I guess yeah. you're all so not funny that just a, a generic fan mm -hmm. was allowed to uh, <laughs> come in. And that's what There's not enough funny comedians in your... Because you know the problem with comedians in New York, because they won't let people like Carl into LOLs because they're all filthy Italians. Yeah, and they're okay. all named. Uh, what's that guy's name? The, just to let the audience know, I, I tried to do a set at LOL Comedy Club in New York. <laughs> you know, Visconti invited me down. He wasn't able to put me on, and uh, so yeah, I. But somebody, just... what was that guy's name that didn't let you in? Let's get his name out there. Lionelli, it was some. I dumb. forget. I forget. Listen, because... the, the point is, you comics are so full of shit. Like, like mm -hmm. Carl is fucking funnier than half the comics I've ever seen anywhere. I go see shows all the time, and fucking Carl is funnier than all of them. <laughs> and then, then I hear about, then I hear about he can't get on an LOL. Are you guys fucking kidding me? <laughs> well, they don't get No, 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 Carl, just see the face. Carl, shut up. You're like Ray DeVito. You fucking apologize too much. You're funnier than these people. <laughs> these people aren't funny. Paul is fucking funny. Yeah, that's right. That's why I'm going to yes, get involved in arson. Stop, stop apologizing. And burn LOL down to the ground. <laughs> we'll burn it to the ground. It's totally unbelievable. Now, even though you're not a stand-up, recently you have been sharing the stage with the stand-up as you are now involved in prop comedy. Tell me about uh, this. Listen, as we all know, prop comedy is the highest form of comedy. Yeah. 
No one would ever deny that. Mm-hmm. Right? You were at the prop comedy. Were you at the prop comedy experience? You were at the prop comedy experience. Anyway, it's one of the greatest uh, gifts to laughter is prop comedy. And, and regular comedy is only dialing that back with words and all that. Yeah, so yeah. It's I'm like very words happy. without the props. It's weird. Yeah. It's like words. It's like words if it took skill. Listen, I, and I'm very happy to be a part of Steve Conti's prop comedy experience, yeah. but I don't know where this is going to go. Who knows where this is going to go? Maybe it'll bring it back. Maybe. Uh, but we're not booked anywhere right now. There is no future venue that will be. Well, happy. you're the head writer. You're the head writer. <laughs> the prop shop. Yo, Steve Conti, I know. All right, well, I'll call him and try to get some gig going because this must have legs. This must continue. Oh, it's One got legs. Opinion. Great calves, too. <laughs> okay, so listen, you're also a big part of this Ski Mask Collective. You've got that podcast, and there's the Sports Mask Podcast. Oh, it's so totally about this. Yeah, how did you get started with that, and who is behind the mask, and anything you want to say about your Patreon? Uh, you've got it going on with these podcasts. I mean, you're a celebrity. Well, you're taking it a bit too far, but I thank you for that. Yes, Sports Mask Collective. I've never been wrong about one pick all year. I've called Great. everything. Bet with Stancil, we call it. Sports Mask Collective. The Ski Mask Collective, we just talk about everything that goes on in uh, podcasting in general. We call yeah. it out. We say the names. We don't owe anybody anything. Nobody owes us anything. So we're out here just to basically ruin our careers and <laughs> say people's names. So that's why we're on Ski You did a great job on Ski Mask the other week. Yeah, thank say. you very much. My one appearance. One of our I'm favorite guests. Yep. <laughs> All right, I got to go smoke weed with this guy. Oh, okay, okay. So tell us, Jim Stansel, how can people find you out there on the internet, you know, get to this Ski Mask Collective podcast? Give us give us the dish on how you get, you know, how we catch you out there. First of all, thank you for having me on this podcast. Where can I find this podcast is what I want to know. Because I, I think Carl, Carl the Jokes is, Carl the Jokes really gets my funny bone. Yes. Well, so everybody where, where watching this? this podcast already knows how to get us, but how do we get you? All right, I'm gay. Listen, Mask Collective on iTunes and YouTube. Sports Mask Collective, iTunes, YouTube. Not only iTunes, most podcasts, anywhere you ever find audio, there, Spotify, iTunes, YouTube, wherever. You get the mm-hmm. videos on iTunes. So we got Ski Mask Collective, that's our flagship show. Yeah, and then we got Sports Mask Collective. That's my show with my friends. We got Sad Chad. That is Ski Mask hosts that with a a cavalcade of friends because Chad sucks. And uh, that's it. Check us out and patreon.com slash Ski Mask Media support us. And we put up random bullshit. (laughs) And I thank you so much for having me. Okay, now I'm sorry I was late. No problem. Everyone at home is poised to press play on this movie at the same time we do in the studio. So everyone at home is going to stand by for your countdown and hit play at the exact same time. So why don't you go ahead, Jim Stansel, and give us that celebrity countdown. countdown.
Thank you, Celebrity Comedian, for that Celebrity Comedian countdown. I look forward to listening. Welcome to the Flickering Lights. It's a Nick. We have a little uh, twinky twink piano twerp. <laughs> we have like two opening theme songs. So this is the pirate ship. They Spoke. are going to yes, Carl. Crossbow. Right. Okay. So we are here, and uh, we this is like a silent movie setup with the black and white. We see that Peter Boyle wearing the turban is Ross Muhammad, the pirate captain, and he's the highest in the ship, lowest in the ship. There he is. Old Scratch himself. <laughs> Dick, Dick Scratcher. Say it out loud again. Dick Scratcher. Okay, old Scratcher. We've all been there. <laughs> well, you know, it gets so muggy in those pirate ships. Uh, so they are. there's a storm of brewing. So what the captain's going to do, he's been stealing money for the Algiers, you know, like pirates. This is 17th century. Did I okay. mention that? And back then, the pirates of the Caribbean, If does, does that exist? These pirates of Caribbean would 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 steal shit and bring it back to their king in Algiers. Okay, but there's a storm coming. So Peter Boyle's like, "Hey, why don't we pretend we're a silent movie? You play the piano, and we'll go to an island and we'll bury the treasure. And then when the storm rises, when the storm is over, we can come back and get it and get bring it okay. back." Okay. Now this is all rinky dink music. There is a ghastly reason why I think they set it up as a silent movie. Okay, and. I just want, we're right into the plot, so I, I'll get into this. This film is called Ghost in the Noonday Sun. It's third film really directed by Peter Medic, who's a Hungarian-born director who's done... He's Wind very popular, though, because, like, I don't know, like, maybe it's a war or something, and you're always hearing people scream his name. Medic! The doc. He, uh, he directed this movie. It basically ruined his career, he thinks. Okay. And he actually, there is a film documentary about this movie. This movie wasn't released. This movie was re the 73. It was released on video in like 86 or so. Yeah, like it was forgotten a bit. Or, yeah, I understand. It didn't really have yeah. a release. And they were like, okay, we got this thing. Let's make a little money. The video box says it's the missing Peter Sellers classic. Okay. So it was missing. Peter Sellers had this idea. He, they met up in Hollywood. Uh, at a diner, and uh, he said, you know, my buddy Spike Milligan from The Goon Show mm -hmm. wants to adapt a children's book about pirates. And they took it, and then it was a disaster. And Peter Medic just made it recently, a couple years ago, made a documentary about this film okay. itself. And that film was called The Ghost of Peter Sellers. So I watched the documentary, and I said, oh my god, I gotta see if this movie exists. What year and was it made? Was Peter Sellers alive? No, Peter Sell. He says I waited till they're all dead. So okay. The director's eighty-three. This came out in two thousand and nineteen, seventeen, maybe. Interesting. So he he spilled the beans. He spilled the beans on this movie and about Peter Sellers, and it, particularly this scene itself. Why don't I kick I, it off? They shot this film, this scene, the second week of shooting. Peter Sellers had a heart attack. Oh. Okay. And he had a history of heart attack. There is. Say goodbye to Peter Boyle. That's the last you'll see him in the film. He's <laughs> on the cover. Loves Raymond is waiting for him. Yeah. Oh, I can't wait to see that. Everyone loves Raymond movie. He doesn't, you can't even hear him speak. It's all, you know, placards. So, Jean-Luc. Peter Sellers had a history of heart uh, attacks, right? Okay. And so it was very serious. Are we seeing him pre-heart attack right this second? 
Yeah. Okay. This is all, but it was during the shooting of this scene that he had a heart attack. Oh, and they had a helicopter. Really? They're shooting in Cyprus. They had a helicopter out to a hospital. The director said two days later he picked up the London uh, Evening Standard, and there was a photo of Peter Sellers going to lunch at a fancy London restaurant with Princess Margaret. He had faked his heart attack to get out of shooting this movie, and You're he did it during the scene. You're kidding me. This is like the documentary indicates this film was a total fiasco in every way, and that was like boom. The later Okay, so we're two weeks into shooting and he yeah. gets out of it. He gets out of it because he really loved it. He loved Spike Milligan. He loved the thing. He, even though he was married, he was dating Liza Minnelli in 1973. Everything really? was great for Peter Sellers. Liza Minnelli broke up with him and the, the day before he the shoot. Okay. So he was in no mood. The, the director said he loved... The first week, it was on the boat, and it was beautiful, and they had some beautiful shots, and then everything went to shit. Mm -hmm. But I should mention, this is so – my research is basically watching the documentary okay. and taking notes, and I'm just going to let you know the information. Mm -hmm. I did a, a cursory search on the internet for some items and some of the actors, so I got a little more information. Okay. But basically, this film is based on an old – no. So it's based on a children's novel. Guess what year this novel came out? 1918, 1643. No, 1965. Oh, that was, was what is, oh, why didn't I Sid wrote a bunch of like, he wrote Blood Alley about his World War I experience, but he wrote a lot of pulp novels. And then he also started writing children's books about What's like- his East last Coast name, Sid? Fleischman. Fleischman. Yeah. So uh, Sid Fleischman wrote a book called Ghost in the Midday Sun, and the story is uh, this New England boy can see ghosts. Well, he was born okay. at midnight, this kid. So the pirates show up on the coast, right? and what's, what we're watching right now is that – Now, he killed the captain. So right, and he said – and then he went, to the, he went to the shipmates and said, listen, I killed the captain. I'm the only one who knows where this treasure is buried, so I'm, I'm your captain now. now. But he didn't right. tell him he killed the captain, did they tell he tell him? Yeah, he threw a, a, a sword right into Peter Boyle's. Uh, no, but did, did he tell the crew? Yeah, he said, I killed the captain. Wow, okay. I saw the, I know where the treasure is, I'm the captain. Right, so that's the thing. So now he's looking at the map. And again, okay, it's One this, more question. Yeah. He was the lowest member of the crew. Right, old So Dick, do they know Dick. it's him? Or did they yeah. Say, okay, okay, okay. The whole, the whole pirate crew actually was on the island helping. Okay. And he was making uh, a soup, beans, and yeah. Peter when Boyle. Yeah, they're going to be ready, motherfucker. Okay, so look, we're changing pace. I want to play the music because it's... You remember the sound effects in the Monkees movie, Head? Yeah, I do. Okay. We get a lot of, like, Richard Lester, uh, Monkees, British uh, pop sensibility in this. So he's going to... He spent 20 years, and he walks out, and here's the sound effect. What do you mean, like 20 years? What? Why'd you, what'd you say? Well, anyway, he it's 20 years have passed. Why? I mean, How? Why? He can't find the treasure. He can't find the, the map. So he's been like in his room, basically. Uh -huh. And he comes out and he's like, boom. You know, he, he doesn't know where it is. So what now he wants. Now we're in to, color. 
Right. So this is this is 1973. They shot this. This is no okay. special effects. Okay. They actually. So the producers got a second hand. Oh, here comes the second music. We had the uh, little piano music up front, and now, yo ho, we have a, a full-on pirate ballad. Is it a sea chanty? Let's hear it. I can't hear it. You sang over it. Okay, here we go. Copyright infringement. Clive Revell again. Oh, he was. Where did we see him before? Well, we saw him in Modesty Blaze, 